millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Nice one. Sean, if this doesn't go out, I'm sending a nail bomb to your house. Okay, just to let you know. Um. <laughs> That's fucking delightful. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rock Report podcast in association with the Southern Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gavin, you join us on the back of the Plymouth win at home. Lots has happened since we last recorded, but we're going to try and fit everything in. We've even got some Twitter questions, which should be nice. Joining me is Martin. Hello mate. No, it's um, pretty nice to be on a, a decent little run of form. Um, what, what mm, we've got seven yeah. points out of the last three. Yep. You're kind of looking upwards. That's which right. Is good. It stole me line. I was going to say that. Seven <laughs> points from nine. Uh, two victories at the Stadium of Light. We've scored six goals in those two games at the Stadium of Light. Um, a decent point on the road at Borough. But this performance against Plymouth would probably say is actually, you know, maybe not the first half, but the way we played in the second half, the, as well as we've played under Beale, possibly as well as we've played since maybe that, maybe that Southampton win earlier in the season. That's how good it was in the second half. But for me, I just think this was such an important win. And Michael Beale banged that point home after the game in his interview when he talked about the, the volume of, of games we've got coming up this week with the one midweek at Huddersfield, which we're going to talk about also today. Um, and then the game at the weekend against Birmingham. It was it was important to start off the week with a win. And coming into it, I really wasn't that confident because I looked at Plymouth and I thought, they're in, no, they're in all right form. They beat us earlier in the season. They play nice stuff. They've got a young team which plays on the front foot. The new manager who's came in started the job really well and, like I say, recruited some good players in January. So I was I was looking at it and thinking, you know, a, a point wouldn't be a horrendous result, even though it might not go down particularly well. And there was a point in that game where I would have probably took a point because after the first half, we weren't at the races really. And at half time, I'm looking at it thinking a point wouldn't be too bad here. But um, we really come out the blocks in the second half and it was... Us at our best again at times. It was lovely to watch. Some of the some of the football was brilliant. The way we managed the game out. And of course, you've got to take into consideration Plymouth played midweek and played in the cup and got took to extra time. So really, we had to figure that into our thinking when we were planning for the game, knowing that they were probably going to come at us more in the first half just because that's as much as they'd be able to give. And as the game drew on, we had to try and pull them apart. And, and we did. I actually think... Had we really wanted to turn the screw, we could have, and it could have been five or six if we really wanted. The way we were playing and the way we were attacking, the worst spells there where I'm looking at thinking, if we go for it a bit more here, we're going to get another couple of goals. But we were we were efficient. We used the bench well. I thought Beale's management second half was brilliant. 
I thought, you know, that came across in the comments after the game, not just from him, but from Jack Clark about how they went in a half time and I think they had a bit of a, they call it an honest and frank discussion. <laughs> I would say a bollocking yeah. would probably be more, 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 uh, more apt. But hey, it worked. They come out second half and they were they were flying. And like I say, that is that's just a brilliant three points for me because I I think Plymouth are going to be next season. I'd watch out for Plymouth with this team. They're a canny side, them like, and maybe they did run out of steam, but we didn't. And I thought by the end of it, we were really really good value for our three points. So I'm over the moon sat here today. Just just a brilliant result because. Like I say, I was fearing the worst at times, uh, particularly during the game. But there we go. That's Sunderland for you, isn't it? We can, particularly this team, we've done this quite a bit where we might start a game poorly, but then it does just take maybe a bit of momentum swinging our way and, and all of a sudden we find our feet. So happy days there. Eh? It was a, a brilliant performance and win. No, certainly second half it was. And it was nice to see us kind of put that second half together after the first half that we we put in, which was... Um weren't sort of firing on all cylinders, weren't we? But it seems to have been a, a bit of a natural progression, doesn't it, from the Stoke game where, again, we played well in patches and we took them apart when we could. The Borough game where we, we played pretty well in the first half and we had that sort of awful spell in the second half and then came back into it in the second half against Borough. And second half, yeah, we took them apart. And as you say, it could have been anything that we, we wanted to be, really. I think we managed it pretty well. Say they were probably tired after midweek, I think, They'd won an away game recently. I don't think they'd got beat actually under the new manager, had they? It was actually the Stephen Gerrard no, no. assistant manager derby yesterday because I think this, <laughs> this Plymouth fellow was um, Gerrard's assistant over in, in Saudi yes, Arabia. I hadn't thought about he? that, but yeah. <laughs> but no, look, second half great. And I think we, we kind of used subs wisely. Beal's team talk yeah. paid off at half time, evidently. And. You know, it's it's another step in the right direction. I think you know after everything that went on over the the Christmas period with with Beal coming in and all that sort of stuff, it's just it's really nice to see or to feel it settled down a bit. Obviously, you've still got throughout the match, you've still got all all the people who didn't want Beal in the first place jumping on and Beal out at half time. And I think there was a few boos at half time. People weren't too happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, we turned it around, and I think ultimately. Everyone's happy with a really good three points because, as I say, while Plymouth Plymouth won the away game recently, that was their only away win all season, I think I'm correct in saying. So they're, correct, they're not yeah. great away from home. But as you say, they're a team in good form. And um, yeah, you know, take advantage of their tired legs after the Leeds game, potentially. But look, I think we did well. And I think um, you know we obviously made some team selection decisions after the Borough game. Rusin and Roberts came back in, I think. Rusin's just a pest, isn't he? He drags their oh, defenders yeah. all over yeah. the place. Um, and even though Roberts didn't have the best of games, I just think he gives balance on that right-hand yeah. side. And I think we kind of looked a little bit more balanced as a, as a collective. So, look, great three points. And I think it sets us up really nicely for Huddersfield. Yeah, the team selection for me was important because th- there have been occasions recently with uh, Beal, mainly at the start. Like I always think back to that Rotherham game, and it's something I keep bringing up on these podcasts, but... The Rotherham game, when I saw the team selection, I thought, oh, we're narrow. We don't really we don't really look like we're going to go there and attack. And, and, and it was like attacking changes in the game that won us the point. And I think Beal's lear- clearly learning about the team constantly. And they're learning about him. So the team selection was important because that, to me, spells out we're going to attack today. He went with Roosan up front, who's earned his place. He dropped Job, which is something a lot of people have been calling for. Yeah, And, and I, I agreed with the decision to do it. I think he just 
you know, like any player, sometimes, particularly young players, you do have to take them out the firing line occasionally and just give them a little rest. And there was no problem with them doing that here. Bringing in Patrick Roberts, obviously, is a boost. The team know him. They know the way he plays. They know they can trust him. Whether he's got the end product or not, and I mean, he, he did register an assist technically for that <laughs> Equa goal, didn't he? Because I think he laid it to him. The team trust him whether he's got the end product or not. They no, trust him. They, they know when they give Patrick Roberts the ball that he's going to cause problems. And I, I actually, a lot of people said he didn't play very well. It wasn't him at his best, but I thought he did okay, actually. I thought that, you mentioned balance, and I think that was what it was. It was a case of when he had the ball, it was making Plymouth think. And I've watched Plymouth a fair bit this season, on and off, you know, whenever they've been on TV and in the highlight shows and stuff. And their width is really good. And the one way you can stop the width of any team is by playing a winger really high who pins the fullback in. And and it's like, well, you know, if they're left, because they played a back three, if their left wing back had ploughed forward, he was going to leave a giant gap for Roberts to exploit. And likewise, Clark on the other side with Mumba. And it's no coincidence that both their fullbacks came off. Yeah. Came off during the game. So it shows you there were, they were having a tough game. And you kind of look at the Jack Clark effect as well. On the other side, I think they're, right forward, right wing back and right centre half and right centre midfielder all got yellow cards. It's, it's you know, we, we've got good players and when you're picking the team, I think you've got to spell out that intent that we're going to have a go today because when they see the names like Robertson Clark on the on the team sheet, they're, they're going to they're gonna think twice and think, oh, bloody hell, like, I don't really want to come up against them today. And, and Clark makes players look silly, doesn't he? So... For me, it was the team selection which made the most sense. I, I, that's the team I picked. I might not have put it out there. I know you do the, the starting 11 piece on the site, but uh, I certainly stuck it in our group chat in the morning and said that's the team that I would have went with, and I was over the moon to see it. Wow. And I was glad to see Barr get a chance through the middle as well because he's going to be inconsistent. Like You've got to remember with Barr, and, and this is the same for, for all these young lads, he's not had a full season, really, like of starting games. He still hasn't had half a season of starting games. He's in and out the team, and he's young, and he's going to be inconsistent, particularly when we keep switching his places around. But I think in the last few weeks, he's played okay. And I was wondering, kind of like, what would he be like with Roberts? And and I thought he, he linked up pretty well with Ekwa. So yeah. pushing Barr inside, I've got no problem with that occasionally. You know, I think he's, I think he's got the ability to be effective there. But first and foremost, as, as I said before, the team selection spelled out what we were meaning to do, and that was to have a go at Plymouth. And, and to be fair to Plymouth, times in the first half they had a go at us but like it was just nice to put out a team well I'm not looking at it and going oh, like, you know when you we pick teams occasionally and you're like you kind of do gulp and dread yeah. it a little bit and you say oh bloody hell that lad's playing that lad's playing whether whether that's fair or not we do do that but this is the first time for a while now where I've looked at the team selection and went ah yeah I love that even when you look at the bench we had Job Mundell Oshish Rig who all came on Pembele Hamia Burstow sealed Bishop. That, that's a pretty strong bench, that. Like, you, you, even if it wasn't working out, you can look at that bench and go, right, well, we've got two centre-forwards, we've got an attacking wing-back, we've got attacking midfield players. You can change it. And that was what was nice, is that we just seemed to have that variety. So I, I'm over the moon, though, that we got the win because the big thing was just getting those three points. And Beal, I think, needed it just as much as anyone because... You mentioned it before, but I think it's kind of there is a change, isn't there, in the opinion of him coming away from this game. We've had a load of questions on Twitter from people who have basically said that now about be like, is his opinion changing of him? 
I'll read out a couple of these questions. Someone, how are the lads? 2024, who which is at Christian or zero uh, eight nine eight oh nine has said, do you think Beal is winning us over? As a general rule, that is because I'm glad to be eating my words, being humbled. There's a lot of that, isn't there? A lot of people on the back of this who saw the team selection, saw the performance, saw the the changes he made during the game, and as well as that, you know, there was a a lot of support for his niece. Yeah, which has been well documented about his his four year old niece having cancer, and in the fourth minute. The whole stadium applauded. And I, I don't know, it does feel like something is changing there and people are starting to warm up with him a little bit. And of course, winning games will do that, won't it? Well, it will. And, you know, you and I spoke after the whole game, which seems a long time ago now. And we said the, the way that you can turn it around, it's results. And that's ultimately all that matters. And, you know, fortunately, since then, we, we have kicked on and picked up a bit. I will go back to the team selection because on the site, I do pick the site and I got it spot on. That was the team that I as well so I think you know, Michael yeah. obviously reads Roker report and <laughs> decided what to do based purely off my um, team selection so I'll take full credit for the win <laughs> but I think you know people's opinions of Beale will you know only only the most stubborn people who completely written him off and made the minds up prior to him arriving will you know they might still be you know indifferent about him or, or whatever but I think everybody if you're looking at what he's done over the past few weeks you know and Look, to be fair to him, he came in with a really busy fixture list. And I think, you know, you go back to that Rotherham game, that was a team selection in keeping with what Tony Mowbray would have picked. You know, it, it was he, he was trying not to disrupt things or change things too much too quickly because we had so many games coming up. And I think over the past few weeks, he's had time on the training field. And you can see things he's he's changed. And, you know, some of them are subtle, but some of them are mm-hmm. really evident in, in watching us over the past few weeks. And obviously, we've got that balance now at the back four with the full-backs. Um, he made a really big call last week to bring Hjelder in for his debut, didn't he? Dropping yeah. Silt, who plays really, really well. But that gives us really natural balance, and that helps that width that we, we talked about earlier. That helps establish that width that we, we've got. You know, We were all crying out for a defensive midfield player in January, but if you brought a really strong defensive midfield player in now, he wouldn't automatically go into the side because we've got that midfield three sorted out really he's changed yeah. how we set up there and that's working really well you know Ekwa's got two goals in the last two home games so he's doing little things like that you, you know we talk about Jack Clark we know how good Jack Clark is but it's again really evident that Clark's being a slightly different sort of player he's trying to set people up he's trying to get wide crosses in as much as he is trying to shoot and obviously we saw one in the first half against Plymouth that the keeper made a good save from and then you know Clark's goal in the second half was was a stunner, wasn't it? It was absolutely superb. Well, the the, the thing, just to add on Clark, because you bring it up, his form since Beal came in has drastically improved in terms of output. Um, Obviously, Beal's first game was that Coventry game. Prior to that, he'd had one goal in something like 10 or 11 games. Yeah. No assists. Now, since, since Beal came in, since the Coventry game, scored against Hull, scored against Rotherham, assist against Preston, scored against Ipswich got an assist against Stoke, got an assist against Middlesbrough and scored against Plymouth. I mean, Not you've got this. to give the bloke credit for what's happened there because Clark had a really good start of the season, but actually some of those numbers from the start of the season were kind of masked by penalties as well. He scored yeah, that's true. a lot of penalties at the start of the season. Since Beale came in, Clark has, I don't know what's changed, but he, you know, I don't know whether I noticed, particularly against Stoke, and then since then I've noticed like he's releasing the ball a lot more. He's playing passes more when it makes sense to do it. Like it actually feels like he's being coached rather than just being allowed to 
do what he wants yeah. on the pitch. And he's still doing the things he's kind of trademarked. There was runs inside where he shoots. Like that, that goal was outstanding. He's doing a lot better off the ball, I think. And that's got to be down to instruction. It's because it's shown in the numbers. Like yeah. it's not be that's not by accident, it's by design. That the assists and goals from Clark have upped since Beale came in. And we just look like a more well rounded unit, I think. The defence the defence for me looks more solid. It's not perfect. We're still conceding stupid goals. But like we haven't got Hume flying out. We haven't got Ballard flying out. Yeah. People going out of position and having to cover. Hume playing like sort of like a centre mid, which wasn't working. Like Hielder coming in has really helped us in that regard because we do look more balanced. But the defence are defending now. The midfield three of you just said, like it, it's more defined what they're doing. Dan Neal looks more like a sit. And that's the best Dan Neal's played for Sunderland. Brilliant. The Plymouth game. He was unbelievable. He was just the best player on the park by a country mile. Best game in the Sunderland shirt. Well, 09 was pushed him pretty close. I thought 09 yeah, was superb yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, 09 had a good game, yeah. But for me, Dan Neal, best he's played for Sunderland. And his form's improved since we put him sort of more in front of the back four as a holding player. And then ahead of that, the wingers kind of know what they're doing, as I've just said about Clark. And, and Barr's played well recently. And then the strikers seem to know what their job is on the pitch now like Rusin now Rusin's got two goals since Beal came in Burstow obviously got that goal the other week but the, it's not just about the, the goals necessarily the, they're actually contributing like it's felt all season whenever we've put a striker in the team that they're just a sort of it's sort of just a token selection they're not really involved in the build up play they're not really holding it up or anything like Rusin I, I thought he's off the ball where it was brilliant yeah. against Plymouth and holding it up really well and, and popping it off and just making runs and being a nuisance so I'm not getting carried away here because I've just went right through the team there and said like kind of every, but I do feel like everybody in the team kind of knows their job now and we are starting to see more clearly defined roles and that's got to be not just a Beal by the way but all the coaches like Dodds and and um, Stuart English and Proctor and and the goalkeeper coach too like that's a collective effort to have made the sort of address things Tony Mowbray maybe wasn't addressing and for me I'm over the moon with that I think. I think it's a it's a real sign of progress, and that it, that it's been reflected in the last couple of results is kind of evidence of that, isn't it? it certainly is, and it's really you know it kind of sets us up nicely for the next few weeks as well because the team looks as if it's got that solid foundation, that solid structure that we I don't necessarily think we I didn't think that we lacked it earlier in the season, but when you kind of see how we're structured now, it was probably lacking a little bit earlier in the season. And uh, you don't want to go back and hark back and compare Mowbray with Beal um, too much. But like Mowbray, as you said, Mowbray always kind of said his whole philosophy was just letting them go out and do what they want, really. And I think Beal's come in and given us a bit more instruction. And you know, you can see that with with Clark, and it's it's paying dividends. And I think getting those that three in midfield working more cohesively, I guess, than it was previously. It gives Clark more support, so he's not so isolated a lot, but also gives him, it creates a space for him to attack at the right times. And it's kind mm-hmm. of like, as a team, we're being smart how we use Clark and how Clark can impact the game more, rather than just the whole tactic of give it, give it to Jack Clark and hof- hopefully he'll pull something out of the bag, which you often thought kind of was the case at, at certain points, certainly when we were, were struggling. And look, you know, we're, we're certainly not sat here saying everything's brilliant with the storm to win promotion. Absolutely, there's still you know there's still things that aren't perfect. There's still things that aren't quite right. We saw in the first half that we weren't firing on on all cylinders at all. But there's the signs of getting better and improving. 
And I think, you know, if you go from home game to home game, we've gone from the whole game, which was dire, to the Stoke game where, yes, we, you know, we could have been behind in that game. They had a load of chances, but we stuck at it, showed some, you know, some resolution defending, got through that game, got the three points. Borough, I thought we showed great character to come back and get a point. And against yeah. Plymouth, we've come back again. So, you know, in terms of attitudes as well, we're not letting the goal conceded drop our heads. We are able to kind of get over that, which I think shows good team spirit, good belief in what we're doing. And I think, hmm. you, you know, the, the most positive thing for me coming out of the game against Plymouth, I think Eck was talked about, Jack Clark's talked about it, that Beal put things right at half time. He gave them a kick up the arse and it worked. And that'll only help the players buy in more to what Beal's doing and telling them. So it shows, to me, that shows that the players are, are behind them because they're reacting positively to, to what yeah. you're saying. You know, they'll mm-hmm. be feeling it, you know, through the week with, with his coaching, but also in the games where, you know, they, they'll be able to see and feel what we can see and feel that we are more structured. Yeah. We've got more of a plan. We, we're do, actually doing things a little bit more smartly. And that'll only help them buy in more to what he's doing, which will hopefully benefit us. So I think it, you know, I think yeah. it's a great result on so many levels. Obviously, get three points, but I think it just it it sets us up nicely, sets Beal up nicely, buys him more time. And I think now we kind of you're looking ahead with Beal and going, well, what else can you do? What else can you bring rather than mm-hmm. lurching from game to game? Thinking, shit, if he if we get beat next week, he's he's gone. So I, I think it's it, it's just such an important three points. Yeah, you, you mentioned something there about the, the players buying into what he's doing and stuff. And I actually spoke to somebody from the club ahead of the game just about something generally and we got talking about it. And I, I was told that actually the, the kind of feeling around the club is that the players are really buying into what the coaching team are trying to do and they're enjoying training, really enjoying training. Yeah. And that was before the game. That was before we obviously went on to win and play pretty well. So it's just nice to see evidence of it. Like you kind of do... Or it is very easy to get lost in the bluster, the the chat online, really about things which don't really matter. Actually, yeah. really, you know what? He got he got panned for the making the comment about outside noise, and and perhaps rightly so. He shouldn't have said it. He shouldn't have came out and maybe been as abrupt as he was, despite the amount of stick he was getting. But when you actually think it is outside noise to them because they they go into work every day and the train, and then they go into work on a Saturday, and that's the only time they really see the fans. So you know. To them, day to day, the stuff which happens on the training pitch, that's all that really matters. Yeah. We can have our opinion on this podcast. People can have their opinion on social media. Really, it, do- it doesn't actually matter what we say. We've just got an opinion. Whether it's right or not is debatable. But when they go into work every day, he's got to work with them players. They've got, there's got to be a good culture in the club and a good attitude. And obviously, the fact that we're seeing subtle changes in the team and subtle differences in the way we play is evidence that something is working at the minute. And like us again, you said it before. I'm not sitting here saying everything's perfect. It certainly isn't. There's a lot about this performance I, I didn't enjoy, particularly in the first half. But like you know, come the end of it, you could you could come away and I came away from the game walking out the ground, and I was like I was satisfied with what I'd seen. Yeah. Because I I wasn't coming away with more. I, I came away with more answers than I did questions for once. Like and and that's a good thing because it gives you mentioned about building from things. It does give us a platform going into Huddersfield because. You see the likes of of Job scoring the goal, he, and we'll talk about the goals in a minute, but you see the way he scored that goal. You see the performance of Clark, where, to me, he's now carrying himself like a top player. You, you see the way that Luke O'Nine marshaled at the back, the way Dan Neal strolled through the game. 
I'm starting to see the team kind of pick up pace a yeah. little bit and and come together. So that that bodes well for the rest of the season, regardless of what anyone thinks of Michael Beal. I mean, I mean that's 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 unavoidably the truth that it's a good thing. But I mentioned the goals there. All of them came in the second half. All of them came within a 15 minute period where we kind of blew Plymouth away, really. And and I said before we probably could have done more damage if we wanted to. But only five shots on target in the whole game. Three of them resulted in goals. The first one, I mean, if you're Plymouth, you're looking at that wall and thinking, Jesus, they didn't have to make that easy for us. But it looked like a, a kind of something we worked on, didn't it? Because Robert, bear in mind, we'd had, a few, we'd had a few free kicks leading up to that one that weren't great. I think Ekmar actually took one of them and stuck it in Rose Ed. <laughs> um, I can't remember who took the other one. It might have been Clark but, or, or Roberts. But we had a few free kicks around the box. And when we won that one, I was like, right, this is perfect position for somebody with a left foot. And it was interesting to me. I watched this happen really subtly. But as soon as, I think it was Roberts who won the free kick. And as soon as we the referee pointed for the free kick, Roberts threw it, like rolled it straight to Ekwa. As if to say, like, and that, I found that interesting because I was, I sent me mate when I seen it. I went, I wonder if he sticks them in in training all the time yeah. or something. Like, because that was just weird the way that he gave them the ball straight away. It wasn't, you know, the usual situation with, with particularly with flair players where they're like, they want to take the set piece, they'll hang on to it, try and sort of dominate the ball a bit before before everything's settled and the wall's been pushed back and they can set the ball. But no, no, Roberts gave it to Wetwa and it just felt like something we'd work on um, because of the way we set it. And we found a hole in their wall. When do you ever see a wall split like that? It it almost feels like it's something we've seen. I don't. Maybe I'm wrong, but it kind of just felt like something we'd worked on, maybe in training. And anyways, you know, there was a gap. We found it. I thought it was clever from Ekwa because the goalkeeper's waiting for him to stick it over the top of the wall. He finds the gap in it, and the goalkeeper's just left stranded, really, because the wall hasn't done its job. But if you're Plymouth, you you got it, aren't you? If you uh, if you've defended like that, because it was a gift in the end, but it was a lovely goal still. It wasn't. It's, it's nice to see Equa get on the score sheet again. I think that was his fourth or fifth of the season. Scored in the last two home games, and mm-hmm. you know if we've got mm-hmm. a midfield player who can get seven, eight, nine goals in a season, that that's usually important. Like we've we've rarely had goal scoring midfielders who can get sort of near double figures for for any prolonged period of time for ages. Um, his scoring record when he was at West Ham, I know it's under twenty ones football. Was that good. was one of the things that made him stand out on yeah. paper when when we signed him. Was that oh he, he scores quite a few goals from midfield this lad. And I remember watching the that obligatory YouTube highlights reel of of a new signing. You know, Equa scoring rakers from outside the box with his left foot, and <laughs> you know he, he he's capable of it. Then he's got he has got a good shot on him, and he's not afraid to take a shot. He did say in his interview that you know he, they had a really good wall Plymouth, which I, I'm not sure. How we saw, how we thought that was that not just him taking the piss? <laughs> but he said that's why they had to shift it because the the set up the wall so well, so Roberts would you weren't able to get round from where the free kick was. So that's why they needed to right, shift okay. it to, to work the space to to get the shot. But he took it really well, and it was kind of the one place where the goalkeeper was just stranded, wasn't he? So you know, it was yeah. great. It was a really important time to score as well. Um, so quickly mm-hmm. after half time, it just kind of yeah, it, it was you know that gives the team confidence and to come out with a bit of momentum, come out with a bit between the teeth after the halftime team talk. And to get that yeah. reward and get the game back on level terms so quickly, it's important because, you know, we've all been there, haven't we, where you come out and you go all guns blazing at the start of the second half trying to get the goal back and you you get the 70 minutes you haven't scored, 75 minutes and everything just goes a bit nervy. But to get that goal yeah. as soon as we did was great because that then gives you the springboard, puts Plymouth on the back foot and it gives us that springboard to get back into the game and get the next goal. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I haven't forgot about the Plymouth goal, by the way. I just want to address the positives, <laughs> first and foremost. Uh, the second goal, which came in the 59th minute from Jack Clark. I mean, there's a few things about this I want to talk about, but the first one for me is the importance of having people overlapping past Jack Clark because if and you, people might not notice this until they watch it a couple of times, but if you just watch, it's something really subtle and quick, but it's Dan Neal overlapping down the left-hand side. It, it's it's probably like a half a second before Clark shoots, but Dan Neal makes a run, darting past Clark down the left wing, which draws the defender out of the way, which gives Clark the space to shoot. Now, if he doesn't do that, Clark doesn't have the space to shoot, yeah. and we don't score that goal. And it's something I've been talking about loads this season, mainly about having a fullback out there who goes past him, just to take defenders away, because we know what happens with Clark. And to be fair to him, I think he's learning and he's worked out how to... How it sort of outfox teams who double up on him, but they were trying to double up on him. Neil makes that run, it drags somebody out of place, and all he needs is half a yard, and that's what he had. And it's, I think he scored some lovely goals for us, Clark. But that is right up there, possibly the best one he scored in terms of technique. I mean, he bends it from a ridiculous angle, and I mean, it hits a post, doesn't it, on the way? Yeah. It's like a, no, it's, it's just, be- it's just a beautiful goal. Yeah. And we know that Jack Clark is being watched by probably every team in Europe at this stage. And I, I, I came away from that. I thought, oh, I'm just going to enjoy him while we've got him. Because yeah. that's a special goal from a special player and somebody who's done that so many times. I always remember Chris saying, and it might, it might have been last season, and it's always stuck with us. Chris said something around, it was, you know, Clark's like that kid at school who has one trick, which he does over and over, <laughs> and you know he's going to do it but you cannot stop it happening yeah. because he's just too good at doing it. And that is Jack Clark. Like, that move inside to shoot, everybody in the EFL knows that he's going to do that when he gets the chance to do it. Yet none of them... Have, <laughs> it's like, I think I've seen maybe two or three defenders in the last year and a half, you know, stop him from doing it. it, it he almost feels unstoppable at times when he does stuff like that. Yeah, I actually don't think he was a particularly... It was a particularly great performance from him all around in the game. And... This is something we were saying when we stood at the at the game, you know, that's why he plays, because he doesn't have to play well. Yeah. Because if you give him one chance to do that, he will do it. And it changed the game completely. I know the obviously the the time you mentioned the timing of the Etwa goal being important, but for us to get ahead with half an hour to play, it just Huge. meant we could coast from that point, yeah. didn't it? Oh, it did. And as you say it was um an absolutely superb goal. And you know, you mentioned Dan Neal's run, and that's you know, that's not an accident. That's not something that Dan Neal's just done for for the hell of it. That that's stuff that they've worked on in training. You know, take that that run, take the defender away, and create that yard of space for Clark to move into. And he doesn't need any more than that. And he struck it perfectly. He had one in the first half, didn't he? That the keeper saved as well, which um, was a good effort too. And you know, the thing is yeah. with, with Clark, if the space isn't there to go in on on his right and shoot, he can, he'll come back in on his left and go down the the outside as well. So it's he's a bloody awful player to play against. He must be. And you say, like, there aren't many teams who've stopped him, and the teams that have have either doubled up or, or tripled up on him to, to stop him because that's the only way you, you can. You've got to get two men on him to, to cover either way, haven't you? But um, yeah, absolutely superb strike. Keeper had no chance. And, again, getting that second goal, as you say, after the first goal so quickly, it just changed the whole game really, really quickly, didn't it, after, the, after halftime? Yeah, and then, obviously, we made a few subs. Job came on, and... It was sort of like for like, wasn't it, with Bar going the other way, and we, we, we just brought Joe on and and gave him that freedom. But 
he to me looked reinvigorated. It was weird because obviously people have been saying drop job, drop job. He has played poorly recently and not really yeah. been involved in games. And I don't know, I might be wrong, but it felt like that kind of lit a, a fire under him when he came on because he looked so confident and assured when he had the ball. I've, like that's the most confident I think I've seen him. He was carrying the ball around like he was bloody Yaya Touri or something. Like, <laughs> I, just, just so confident in his own ability. But the goal he scores, again, you've got to say Plymouth. That's far too easy. Like he, he, He's just inside their half when he picks the ball up, just over the halfway line. Runs unchecked completely to the edge of the box and then does a little step over, which does kind of wrong foot the, the lad who's trying to block the shot. But then it's not far off that clock, or really in terms of the technique and the way it goes in. Lovely it's goal. It's a lovely goal. But again, if you're Plymouth, you're going to be a little bit disappointed with the way they just let. Like that. To, Plymouth are a little bit like watching us actually at times. The way that we've done that loads of times, where you're pissed off with the way we've just backed off and not stuck a tackle in, and the midfield's gone missing when we really need them to kind of dig in and get across and make tackles. But regardless, like Joe has to do what he's got to do and to make that run and then get in a position to shoot is still good but then the finish is beautiful it, yeah. it's the best goal he scored for us I would say you know he's I think that's his fourth or fifth as you said of the season but for me that's that's certainly the pick of the lot and then he runs off to celebrate in front of the south stand and starts you know giving it the giving it the port and his ear as if to say a yeah yeah kind of thing and then you know giving it big licks but I love that I love a bit of cockiness especially when you know you people have been saying, now nah, you're not playing well, you need to be dropped and stuff. And then you respond like that. You know, we know young lads are all over social media and you'll be seeing it all and hearing it all. And that's a perfect response. That's exactly what you, what you want to see. You want to see somebody get dropped, come off the bench and go, drop us now. When, yeah. I, when I do stuff like this, try and drop us now. And, you know, a lovely goal. Superb goal. And it's been interesting, actually. You know, he carried the ball and drove it at their defence, you know, from you know, our half or the halfway line. And like oh nine did the same or a similar thing against Bird anyway. He picked the ball up and he just drove it there, there yeah, yeah. and carried mm-hmm. the ball up. And we haven't really seen that too much before. You know, I think previously we'd have passed that and kept possession. So I think there's more intent and urgency to carry that ball and drive it at the opposition defence. But look, what what response from from Job to getting dropped? I don't really think he got dropped. I you term it rested, wouldn't you? But he, yeah. like, he hasn't been playing well. I well. think I think Beale after sorry to put him in, but I think Beale said after the game, you know, he had to, he said the whole squad's going to play their part yeah. this week. That's right. We've got three games in seven days, and that, that that's probably it. You know, he'll probably he probably will start again on Wednesday, but well, there's, there's we all, we all know he should have been rested maybe a couple of weeks ago. He has needed a break. He has needed to be taken out the team, mm-hmm. and yeah. you know, it was a perfect time and perfect game. The way that the game was going to bring him back on. You know, we had the momentum. Yeah. We were playing well at that point. He's coming on with with fresh legs against a tired team, and you know he he played he played see he played well. He looked confident on the ball, but it doesn't matter how tired the opposition is. That strike was was superb, and to yeah. get that to get that goal to you know perfect three um three one ahead, and you know as you say you could see it in the celebration. Whether it was relief from him and it was that cockiness or. He's got that whole thing anyway, but like he was obviously delighted with that, and I think it just resets him for the rest of the season as well. Because you know mm-hmm. he started off pretty brightly, but I think since probably the end of October, he hasn't cons- anywhere near consistently hit hit the heights no. of performance, has he? He's kind of been he's had spells no. in games where he's looked alright, but he hasn't really been on top of his game. So 
you know, if he can recapture that early season form as we get into the, the last few months of the season, that could be massive for us too. And I think, you know, again, the, I know I talked about the shape of the midfield before, but in that, that shape of um, midfield with Dan Neal sort of slightly further back and the, the two slightly ahead of him, that's perfect for Bellingham. You know, I think he was, you know, we've asked him to do an awful lot this season. If you think uh, he's 17-year-old at the start of the season, he's been asked to play deeper in midfield, attacking midfield, played centre-forward on occasion. He hasn't been consistently playing in a, a setup that gets the best out of him. He's been asked to do different jobs. And I think he's done pretty well, all things considered. But if he can get a spell now in, in the team where he's, he's in a set formation, in his best position... Then you know we we could really see him kick on over the next few weeks, and mm-hmm. that'd be really nice to see. Yeah, yeah, like I think that sort of left of the three is best for him, and it was playing there where he saw you cutting onto his right foot, and he can be devastating. And he, to be honest, he, he he's pretty he is pretty good when he dribbles, and he and he you know he likes to step over and stuff. But it, it's sort of similar in a way to Clark like playing on that side. You, you get more space in front of you when you're using your right foot that way. So yeah. maybe that's just what it is, you know. I think we have kind of stumbled across this. It took a little bit of working out which way the midfield needs to play. But I think we've seen the best, particularly in the last two home games, Ekwa and Job have probably had the best games in a long time. Like jo- I thought Job and Ekwa against Stoke were brilliant. And then Ekwa had a really good game. Obviously got another goal. Job coming on and proving his point and playing pretty well. I just think this system really suits the two of them. I think we finally found the solution. And I know Dan Neal is really good in that eighth position. And I think you can play him just about anywhere in midfield and he'll do a job. But to me, this just feels like it's we're finding out now like Neal is a better sitting midfielder. Them two are more devastating further up the pitch. I want to see a little bit more in terms of finesse and then product in terms of the passes, into, particularly the striker. You know, when, when you've got two lads playing sort of as eights further forward, you're expecting them to maybe play through balls, play passes yeah. into the wingers, which get us up the pitch. And that'll come with time, but no, I think you're right. I think that that's maybe you're seeing a little bit, you know, a little bit more from these players over the over the last few weeks. I'm just, Gav, just on on that. I, I'm not sure how much we have stumbled upon it or not. I think it's probably quite deliberate because you know one of yeah. the things that we heard about Beale before he came was he, he he doesn't play with wingers. He doesn't like width. And what what we're seeing with with our squad with respect to that is that you've got obviously Clark and Roberts playing on on the wings. Effectively on on the wrong side, haven't you? You've got Clark, who's right footed playing on the left, and Roberts, who's left footed playing on on the right. So they cut in, as we've seen all season, they'll cut in. But what Beale's done as well, and it surprised me when we first started doing it, is in that midfield three, it's been Equa on the right and Bellingham, or yesterday, Barr on the left. And both of those naturally cut in as well. So you've got this width cutting in into the final third, into the central areas of the pitch which then free up the, the space either side for the fullbacks to go around, which is why it was so important to get a left-footed fullback um, on the left-hand side yeah. to mm-hmm. give you that width to overlap. And I think we're kind of seeing that. But when you watch our play in the final third, everything drives in to the centre of the, the field unless we're forced yeah. out wide or unless mm-hmm. the fullbacks come around. And I think that's a really deliberate thing because naturally you go, well, if you've got that shape in midfield, Equa's going to play on the left and Bellingham's going to play on the right because they're on the natural sides. But I think yeah. it's I think it's been really interesting that we've switched that and flipped it. And I think that's why, because yeah. we're kind of doing that thing where we we want to play in the central third and then create mm-hmm. space to, to overlap. And I just find it intriguing how it's how it's kind of working. You can see it working. And again, if you're a player, if you're Pierre Equa and go, okay, you're playing here, this is why, 
when you get the ball here, this is what you, we want you to do. This is the direction that we want you to go in because that player will be going there, that player will be going there. You know what's happening around you and the options that you're going to have. And the more that we can get to that point, rather than just going out and right, you, you get the ball, see what happens, see what you can make happen. You know, Equa, Bellingham, Barr, whoever's in those positions will know, right, Clark's going to be there, the fullback's going to be there, Roberts' going to be there, the other midfield player's going to be there. And all of a sudden, those patterns of play start becoming a little bit more predictable. Your options become a little bit more predictable rather than playing off the cuff all the time. And again, I think we're going to see that develop over the next few weeks too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, on the negatives from the game, which is, of course, the the goal which they scored. I'd say a negative. I think I've seen criticism of Hume. I've seen criticism of Ekwer in this. Obviously, Patterson, like, could he have closed the angle down better? Could he have made a tackle? I want to give credit to, and it's probably the only thing he really did in the game, but Whittaker for Plymouth, I thought the pass caught everybody off guard and it was a brilliant pass. Super. And of course, Hardy, it's a, it's a good run. You know, he's inside their half when he makes the run because a lot of people around me thought it was offside and you see where he starts the run, he's not even in our yeah. half of the pitch. I just think it's quick thinking and it catches us off guard and yeah, there's stuff we could have done better, like, you know, Patterson maybe could have come flying up, but then if he mistimes that tackle and brings him down, he's sent off, isn't he? And that's the other thing. I would rather they score than lose Patterson for three games. And that's the other side of it, you know. Oh, and play the rest of the game yeah, with 10 that, men, that's yeah. that's not what I would have wanted. So you've got to kind of consider that too. It's all right saying, yeah, you close them down, but how many times have you seen a goalkeeper try that? Mistime the tackle, because let's be honest, they're not on the pitch to tackle people. Mistime the tackle completely, yeah. and, and then, you know, they get red carded and you think, shit. <laughs> Actually, though, Patterson did well in the first phase of it. I thought he yeah, the mistake yeah, he made was not getting back as soon as I think it was Hume got back mm-hmm. and the lad got forced out wide and I thought we actually got away with it. But I actually thought the mistake Patterson made was then he didn't get back onto his goal line when he had the chance. But it was actually yeah, a yeah. lovely finish. It was, yeah. It was a really good finish. Great ball and look, yeah, we got caught out and you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't be caught out from that position with a, a lad running clean through from his for his own half. There's absolutely no way in the world that should happen. So there's obviously things we can do, we can do better in, in that regard, isn't it? Yeah, well, it came from our set piece as well, and I think yeah. we probably left, we kind of left them 1v1, which is a bit strange. And then minutes later, they have a similar situation where Hardy shot from similar. from miles out, and it wasn't, I'll tell you what, it wasn't far. Like, I'm, I thought, I'm in I the southwest corner, in. and I thought it was in. Yeah. I did too. Patterson gave up on it. He looked yeah. at it and just went, nah, I'm not getting back for that. Um, and, and it went behind, luckily. But that's the thing as well. Because at that point, I'm thinking we're on top, we're controlling the game. I thought till that point, we'd, we'd be in the better team. And then all of a sudden, on a moment like that, it switches and, you, yeah. and you're behind. And as we know, after that, they went in a half-time and had a had a bit of a bollocking and it changed the way we played. But it just shows you, you can't switch off. And we do that too much, to be honest. Yeah. That's one of the fatal flaws of this team. So yeah, look, we, we've went over and over it. it. It was a good three points. It was a good performance, all in. Um, we've had tons of questions. I'm not going to get a chance to read through all of them, unfortunately. But we've had a, a few, and this kind of might lead us into the into the discussion about the next game because I want to touch on Huddersfield before we drop off. But Andy81 has said, with three games in a week, would you trust Rig to start a game yet? Yes. Now, I think that's a good question because every time I see Chris Rig, I just think he looks comfortable. Like I, I would, He looks like he's played 200 games. Came on the pitch and... <laughs> just straight away slots in. He's getting on the ball. He's putting tackles in. He's shouting and balling, telling people what to do. 
you forget how young he is, but I, I would totally trust him. And I think we're going to see a lot more of this kid in the second half of the season. Now, again, I think they've held him back on purpose. I think they've known, you know, keep him in the matchday squads, keep him playing in the 21s and in the 18s when he's needed, but keep him around the place, get him used to what, what it's like to be a first teamer and then unleash him at the right point. And we've let Pritchard go. I know we've got Embleton coming back soon, which will be a boost to the squad. But Rig, to me, when you're letting players like Pritchard go, you're then looking at, right, well, who gets an opportunity from here? And for me, it, it, it's possibly him. You know, I, I look at him and he's never let him... I've never watched him, put it this way, and bear in mind, he's not played much, but I've never watched him play for us and I've never said and went, I don't know, but he looks a bit raw. He looks ready. No, he does. He, he looks more ready than than almost any young player I've seen come through yeah. in a long time. No, I think he'll um you'll I think he'll start a game before the end of the season, certainly. And I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a little run in the team at some point. And he'll probably play in that position that Equa's been playing. He's left footed. And he's you know, we've seen him pre season, he's got a goal in him. And it'll be really yeah. it'll be really interesting to see him if he does get a run, how he actually responds and how how he looks on a, a full game. But you know, Beale spoke now, hasn't he? He's, he's spoken about Reagan getting him involved more in the in the team over the next few months and what about the next few games or what about the next few games is he going to play this week well I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him whether whether he starts or not I don't know I wouldn't be surprised to see him get at least half an hour in both games against Huddersfield and Birmingham I think in in the game against Huddersfield I wouldn't be surprised to see Bellingham come back in for Bar and we go back to Bellingham and Equa and and Neil Equa came off. And he got a bit of a rest against Plymouth. And that's obviously with, with Wednesday's game in mind. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Bellingham come back in for Barr is maybe one of the only change probably the only change actually for, for Wednesday. Um and I think it you know it depends what happens in terms of injury suspensions, all that sort of stuff when, when Rick gets his chance, but I think he will get a chance. And I think he's ready. As I say, he, he's he's proven he can score goals. We've we've seen it. Yeah. And I, I can't wait to see him start a game because I think he'll it'll be pretty hard to move from, from the team once he actually gets in there. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I think, I, I'm just excited to see what Chris Rick can do. Yeah. I mean, the question was, would would I trust him to start a game yet? Yeah, I would yes, totally absolutely. trust him. And I think if if they went, if he's on the team sheet on Wednesday or Saturday, I'd be buzzing for him because I think yeah. he's I think he's due a start. Like I, I remember right at the start of the season, Mowbray was asked about him, wasn't he? And he, he was talking generally about that 10 position, but he, he said he would probably say equal game time rotation wise from Job, which hasn't been the case. But Job, Rig, and Dak were the three players he was talking about. Yeah, and I, I don't know whether that was talking about sort of longer term or what. But he's way ahead of the pecking order than than probably Dak is. If Dak was fit, um, Embleton, if Embleton was fit, or he's not far off. Obviously, I mentioned Pritchard leaving. I think that's a that was a big thing because we noted that from the Stoke game, didn't we? That because Pritchard had refused to play, Bark started the game, had a really good game, and then yeah. Rick came on towards the end. And it, it's opened up opportunities for all of these players, you know, in that in who play in those positions. Even Oshish, we forget about him. He came on. There's another player you've got to talk about, but they're all going to play their part at some point. And I think I, I, if you just think back to the, like last year, and obviously Beale's going to manage things differently to Mowbray because they're not the same man. But if you think back to sort of this time last year, and it's something we've talked about a bit, you know. Going into the Christmas period when there was a bit of a break, obviously we didn't have Equa, but he came into the team in the second half of the season. 
Hume barely played up until that second half of the season. I think we had yeah. a bit of an injury crisis, didn't we? I can't remember who. And Gooch and um, who was it? God, my memory's terrible. But Gooch and somebody else got injured, and it gave Hume a chance. And he, and he, I don't think he'd come back out of the team after that. He hasn't. Yeah. And and obviously Ahmad, who was, I think he took until like December. I think we played Birmingham away when he really kind of announced yeah. himself. So, like this is kind of the pattern last season went where. Players who we signed in the first half of the season or, or just before, maybe maybe they didn't get so many chances, but then the second half, you saw their worth. And we've got low... Like, that's what's really exciting about this team, is when I look at it, I think Barr hasn't had a run of games, but if you give him a run of games, what can he do? Rusin's just starting again at the team. Give him a run of games, what can he do? You look to Kjelda playing left-back, unchallenged in that position. So if he gets five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten games, how much better is he going to be? Could he play a centre-half if one of those two lads get, get suspended? Or could we look at that, potentially? Then you look at the bench. Job has had half a season where he has been inconsistent, but he'll get better as a, as a result of the minutes he's had. Mundell might not get many chances, but towards the end of the season, we'll see him making an impact. Oshish came in in the summer, hasn't really played much. He's a player who now he's, he's kind of bedded in. He's playing for the 21s and playing well for the 21s. Can he come into the team? Can he hold down a position can he influence games and get goals and assists we've just talked about Rig Pembele is somebody who's been injured but if he gets a chance can he show the quality that got him into the first team at PSG Hamir's settling in now and when he's came on recently he's looked like a better player Sealt we know I think he's proven in the last sort of month or so that if one of those two centre-halves get injured or suspended he can step in yeah. so th- that, that's just going off the bench but like all of those players you can you can actually see if they got a run in the team, them progressing and making a difference, that's what really excites me about this team. Is like I just think there's there's so much room for improvement, and now we've got that first half of the season out of the way, it's like right, can can any of you push now? Can any of you get in and 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 do what Hume did and do what Ahmad did last year? I think that's the interesting thing, isn't it, about how we actually approach recruitment as well, because in transfer windows we rarely bring in players who are immediately going to come into the first team. And hit the ground running and be brilliant. Yeah. And so you, so what happens then? You've got this sort of almost a lag effect of six months down the line, twelve months down the line. You've got these players now who who aren't new names for us, but they're actually yeah. ready now to come into the team. Whereas when we first signed them, they they maybe weren't ready to certainly play regularly. So you know, you, you look at people like Oshish and Pembele. Chances are they they might kick on and come into the team and be ready. Next start next season, we've had to wait yeah. what pretty much eighteen months for Bar to be ready to to really play regularly. Silt will probably come into the team start next season potentially and be a regular. Yeah. So you've got this kind of lag effect of players coming through, and so just because you know it's, it's always it's always the ways and where you, you sign players in in transfer windows, and you, you make a, a judgment on them. Oh, that's what we kind of used to do. You, you used to bring in players in who were relatively ready for the first team and making a call on oh they're, they're going to be good or they've got potential or they're going to be crap and I, I think you kind of have to think slightly differently about the players we bring in now because they're all young and the vast majority of them are young and they're not necessarily being bought to come into the first team right now they've been brought to come into the first team at some point over the next 18 months you know we've seen Hielder come straight into the first team which is it's probably out of necessity rather than anything else. I think if Serkin or Elise were fit, 
he'd be on the bench without necessity. He's had to come in and he's he's done well. So it's kind of just interesting how we kind of bring these players through. And, you know, as you say, there's a handful of them now who you're looking at who are starting to get a chance, like Rusin and, and other people like that, who who mm-hmm. should really kick on now. And, you know, yeah. so, you know some of them won't, won't work. And that's the, the gamble of recruitment, isn't it? Some of them will work, some of them won't. Yeah. But if you get more right than you get wrong, you, you're doing pretty well. And hopefully we'll see us really kick on just as we did last season. With, you know, absolutely spot on. You, people look back at last season and think it was all Ahmad. Ahmad wasn't great until, well, it was, it was a World Cup, wasn't it? Because that Birmingham game was our last game before the World Cup. He scored yeah. that lovely goal, played well. And then it was after that, he, he really kicked on. Hume came into the team, I think it was against Wigan away. And yes, has been yes, pretty was, immovable yeah. ever since. And he, you, know, you wouldn't think of picking a, a back four without him in it if he's fit at the moment, would you? So that just well, shows... That, there, was that, there was that graphic going around during the week of him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> people will have seen it. It was kind of like a Venn diagram, wasn't it? Of where sure, he was he's best basically the, the most... Yeah, basically, we've got the best player in the world on our hands now. But he, in terms of, I think it was progressive passes and attempted passes and all this, he, he's one of the most productive players in the yeah. league. Um, and that's somebody who couldn't get a start. Yes, but he's start still last only twenty one. He's still yeah. only twenty one. Yeah, yeah. And that's like that's a, you look at him now. And you, you know he's played however many games, sixty games or something, seventy games probably. I don't know. I haven't got haven't got in front of us, but he's played quite a lot of games for us now. And you, this is the thing: you got all these players. You look at the, the number of games Job's played for an eighteen year old. The yeah, number yeah. of first team mm-hmm. games he's played. It's it's incredible experience. And I think like again, it's only going to stand some good set. But you know. It's, you're gonna have to sort of accept those inconsistencies in form, and that's that's the payoff you get, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You're not going to be perfect every every week, and I don't think anybody really expects them to. But but no, it's um it's certainly gonna be interesting to see how we kick on and how the players kick on in in the second half of the season because you know we saw players do it last season. Like Serkin was brilliant at the end of last season, and he yeah. like he's a big miss I think for us at the minute. But there's lots of lots of positives I think looking at the next few weeks. Yeah, and obviously the, the question was around the games this week, and we've got Huddersfield coming up on Wednesday, so we'll talk about that before we leave. A- again, another big one. They're right down the bottom, scrapping for their lives, trying to trying to stay up, really. You know, they've they've not had a very good season to this point, Huddersfield, and it was kind of a weird, weird kind of way that they went about things. They started the season off with with Neil Warnock and decided that they wanted a long term appointment, so they brought in Darren Moore, who got what. <laughs> four months something like that so it wasn't much of a long-term appointment but obviously he wasn't able to get any results and he's been moved on they've now got a caretaker in charge I, I don't know if they'll appoint somebody before before Wednesday but given that they've had to pay two managers off I'm going to suspect that Huddersfield not being the biggest spenders in the league might see how much change they can get out of this caretaker but it's a big game because you know they're fighting for their lives and how many times have we come up against teams like this and just not turned up yeah. And that's the thing is like, okay, we've sat today and we've went through all the things we think Beale's done well recently, but can he address the away form? Because the away form all season has not been good enough. Last season, it's what we kind of hung our hats on. It's what got us into the playoffs ultimately because we were shit at the Stadium of Light. It's kind of reversed now. And um, we go into this one, you know, I just want to see if we are progressing, are we going to address these things as well? Like, really... If we're a team going for for playoffs, we should be going away at Huddersfield and winning. Like that, that yeah. to me is a game you should be winning, whether they're scrapping or not. We should be able to outfight them, outplay them, and our quality should shine through. And hopefully, we're coming into this in in a bit of form, and it's 
with the players playing with their heads up a little bit. And that's the difference is that we can go there with a bit more confidence than maybe we have in some of the more recent games where, like the, again, I talked about Rotherham, but went in that in sort of crap form ultimately away from home and didn't really turn up and they were a team scrapping too. Where with this one, it's a case of we go there and if we win it, we have a chance to really solidify ourselves in the top six. We're now just about in there. Hull below us have got a game in hand, but if we win this one, we go on to 50 points. We potentially jump ahead of West Brom in fifth if results go our way. So it's a it's a, a big indicator of where we are, isn't it, if we win this one? And that's why I think it's such an important fixture, really. And you mentioned about maybe not changing too much, but I've got a feeling... My reading of what Beal said this week is that he's going to maybe rotate a little bit. And I wouldn't have a problem with him doing that, but I don't think he'll rotate too much if he does. Yeah, I, I don't think I say I don't think we'll see many changes from the side that started yesterday. I think he um when he was talking about rotation, it was more giving players a break during the game and using the five subs um smartly to do that rather than mass changes. And I think he'd be reluctant to to do that unless he thought he was really strengthening the size and exploiting something particular in Huddersfield. But like you go back to the the ta- when we played Huddersfield at home earlier in the season, and Darren Moore had just recently taken over at um at Huddersfield, and that, that was probably one of our worst games of the season, wasn't it? We got beat 2-1 yeah. off them. Mm-hmm. We played bloody awfully. And it was just one of those horrible dire nights at the Stadium of Light. And Huddersfield, Huddersfield scored seven goals in the two games since Darren Moore left. I think he got, he got sacked for, you know, obviously not getting the results, but they were, they were getting a lot of draws. They weren't really scoring. And looking back here, I think they scored three goals in the, or four goals in the five games before he, he left. And they've scored seven in the two since he he <laughs> did leave. So something's obviously been freed up and released, and the players are, are playing with a bit more freedom. Last time out at home, they they beat Chef Wed four 0 and Chef Wed have picked up their form since since they changed manager, and yeah. they got beat five three off Southampton on Saturday, and they were three two up until the last few minutes of that game. So this isn't going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. No. Like it's going to be a, a tough game. It's going to be a team who who has some confidence, who's going to attack us. And you know the as we saw against Plymouth, and as we we've talked about all season, we do give stupid goals away. We switch off, and this is going to be a big test for us. I think it's going. To, I think you, just looking at the table and looking at the fixtures, people might assume it's going to be a a good game for us to go away from home and get three points. I think it's going to be a really tough game, and I think we're going to have to be absolutely honest and really well set up to get to get anything out of it. And to be perfectly honest, yeah. What would you take? I, I was going to say I would take a point on, on Wednesday. But if you look at the, the Huddersfield and Birmingham games, you've got six points on the table. How many would you, you take away from home? Because I, I I always work on the basis that if you get a point away from home and win your home games, you'll go up. But we've got yeah. two games here against teams who were down there at the you know towards the bottom of the table, two away games, six points available. What would you be happy with? Uh, see, because I think we should go there and win. But... but uh... And with you though, I, I gen- my general rule is like a point away from home is a good point. And I don't, uh, I'm really struggling to answer this. I, I want to beat <laughs> Birmingham more, and I want to beat Huddersfield. Put it that way. Yeah. Like I want to, I want to get one over on Mowbray. I want to get one over on Pritchard. I want that to be like a sort of a bit of a sign of progress for us. We go there, we win. Like four points out of those two games would be superb, wouldn't it? They would, yeah. But in if it was four points, it, you know, obviously we're talking about something here that's hypothetical, but. If you said, right, we're going to get four points from the next two games, then I would prefer the point to be against Huddersfield and the three points to be against Birmingham. But that's not the way things work, <laughs> is it? So 
I, I personally think we should win both these games, but our form away from home can't be ignored. And that's what I mean no, about that's this exactly one. Right. You know, if, if we go there and we win, and we win pretty handily, like if we win 2-0 and it's a, we're kind of coasted through the game, then to me that's a sign that we're, we're making changes. Yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm saying, well, I can see where he's done this, I can see where he's done that. Okay, so now the next thing is, can you address the fact we're going away from home and, and not winning many games? Now, against Middlesbrough, I thought that was a good point because I, we've we've had a terrible record at Middlesbrough over the years. And to come away from there, having been 1-0 down with a point, to me, is a good result. But this is slightly different with it being a team down the bottom. I just think we've got to... Personally, I think the next two games we want to win them both. If you want to be in the top six, these are games you've got to win. Now, we we generally do not do that. So to get two, six on the next two would be amazing. But if I'm being honest, I think we're capable of it. We're better than Huddersfield. We're better than Birmingham. We've got better players. It's can we execute the right game plan? Can we go to Huddersfield knowing they're going to probably do what they did against Southampton? Like I watched the highlights back of that game and they, they kind of caught Southampton on the break a couple of times and, and took their chances. But as you've just said before, that's one of the reasons that Darren Moore got the sack. They weren't taking chances. They weren't yeah. scoring goals. And I'm I'm not convinced a couple of performances are enough to change the way they are too much. Like I, I, They're down there for a reason. They're not scoring goals for a reason. I don't think that... I don't know if you've seen the highlight of the of the game against Southampton, but there were like sort of punts, good finishes like from range outside the box and stuff, but on the break, I'm, I, I don't think you can keep that up. I don't think that's the kind of thing you can keep up. So... Yeah, I, I'm. I reckon three points is is the obviously three points of the target in every game, but I think we've got to win here, and I oh, think it would be a massive feather in the cap for for Beale if if he can win this one. Imagine the confidence going to Birmingham; it's going to be great. But then the conversely, if we if we play shit and we only get a point, or we play shit and we get beat, which we you know we're more than capable of given our away form, then the kind of does sour the mood a little bit going into what's going to be a big important game, and I hope it's not. I mean, I don't want to get too ahead of myself with this Birmingham game, but you know, we we saw that with with Alex Neal recently, didn't we? When we played his team, like we don't always get up for the occasion. Yeah. So I, I want to go into this one with a bit of form, and I think we've got to go and win at Huddersfield. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I would um, certainly hope that we do, and I'm, I'm hopeful that we will do. But you know, we've got Huddersfield away, Birmingham away, two two big away games that you know potentially get three points from both of them if, if we turn up. And we're on it. We're more than capable of doing so. Then you go into a home game against Swansea, which again we should win. More than capable of doing so. And then you've got Norwich away, Leicester at home, Southampton away. So you've got three big mm. games after that, and they're going to be really tough games. So the, you know, if we can get seven points, for example, out of the next three games, that sets us up nicely for those three on paper tougher games. And then you're into that sort of that running towards the end of the season after that, aren't you? So it's um. It's, I think I think Wednesday is a huge game for us in terms of how the rest of the season goes, and I think if we can get three points and play well, um, and you know for all I've I've talked about them scoring goals and you know winning four 0 last time out and taking Southampton to the last few minutes, their confidence will be fragile still. They're they're still in a a bit of a state of flux. They might have a new manager in, but I think you're right. I think they'll just see how how far the caretaker can can take them and if he can sort of navigate them through the rest of the season. Um, mm. I wouldn't be surprised if, if they chose that option. So it's it's a game I'm looking forward to, and it's going to be a really it's going to be really telling how far we've actually come under Beal, and what the rest of the season might hold. Yeah, 
I'm sorry, people, but we're not going to get through your mountain of questions today. But hopefully, we've covered off just about everything that you want us to talk about. A couple couple of quick fire ones. Uh, right. Go on then. Why not? Quick, proper quick fire though. Let's let's not piss about. Uh, (laughs) Jason (laughs) Beatty has said, "Has Rusin proved he's the main striker for the rest of the season?" Yes. Yes, that's that's as quick fire as as quick as you're going to get. Chris Day, Daniel Neal is fucking mint. Do you agree? Yes. Adam Baker, could Beal be a fan favourite if we keep going like he has and picking up points? Self-explanatory, but yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, Liam at SFC1879 says, how refreshing is it to have a team who are competent off the ball, not allowing players to run right through the middle of the team? Brilliant. That comes, well, we've talked about the structure of the team. Yeah. I think we've changed We've changed how we set up and players are, yeah. know, know the jobs, don't they? Yeah. Owen Sarah says, is Beal the man? Could be. Could be, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling more and more positive with every week. But yes, I, I'm, I'm very much behind him, and I think you know he, he's rode through a big spell of pressure and and managed to get a couple of really good wins at the stadium light. So I think um, he's earned time. On that as well, I think his press conference. I know he's been criticised for the way he's, he's spoken over his early weeks, but I thought his press conference in mid midweek was brilliant. I thought he just showed the right amount of confidence, the right amount of. I think he just settled in. He he just looks assured and sounded assured and confident in what he was doing. I thought he came across really well. Yeah, Matt has said when we were three one up with twenty to go, we always change a striker or a midfielder. Why not bring on Seal at centre back for the last twenty? I don't see the point really. We're on top. Stay on top. Bring a centre half on. That's a psychological indication to everybody that you're sitting in and you're trying to protect the lead. For me, we didn't need to. I thought that we we were well on top, and yeah. it was a good chance to get the likes of Rig on the pitch and Oshish and and Job. And I think when you've got a two a two goal lead, it's a really dangerous thing to do. It's an unnecessary yeah. risk. I think if you've got a three or four goal lead, you might do it. But a two goal lead, if they get one back, it changes the whole complexion of the game, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Ethan says Beal is the man and will comfortably get us top six. That's a big statement, but he's well behind Michael Beal. Uh, Paul Anderson says, What do you think of the pedestrianisation of Norwich City Centre? <laughs> uh, fantastic. As long as you can still I'm not get much to- of a Partridge fan, but I know that's what that's from. There we go. As long as you can still get um, shop soiled Toblerones, it's fine. <laughs> Tom Crangle says, Dan Neal, the unsung hero. Sam has said, Bar's best position. I don't think anybody knows that, really. I don't think Bar knows. We're about to find out, though. Yeah, I don't think Bar knows. Bless him. Rob Ellison Davidson says, Was today the first day slash match where there was a clear synergy? between the head coach and the supporters. I think so. I really do think so. I think that the yeah. whilst it might it might not be the most I don't know how to really phrase this but like the the obviously the fourth fourth minute the the chanting and the clapping for his niece whilst you know you, you don't want to, that maybe I don't know what the the phrase to use here is but clearly that that showed that level of sort of human respect for yes, no. another human oh, yeah. like yeah. you know whatever you think of Michael Beal that is must be the most awful thing ever for any family for a, a child to go through cancer, yeah, not horrendous. once, but twice. Yeah. Horrific. So breaking down those barriers a little bit, he is a human being. He's been appallingly trapped by some people, not all. I would say it's a minority. Some people have been really vile towards him. Um, and I wonder whether they maybe regret the way they've gone on now, based on maybe the last couple of weeks. But uh, but yeah, um, Sully has said, can we talk about how good Dan Neal is, please? I think we've done that quite a bit today. Me, I, I thought it was his best performance. We will end off, I think, with... It's a stat. And this is what I was going to end off before you forced me to do quickfires. <laughs> uh, and I just need to find it. From Old Hortonian, who says, Beal's first nine games, 14 points and four wins. Mowbray's last nine games, eight points and two wins. 
looking more and more like a good decision. And that's from Old Hortonian. I mean, it remains to be seen, you know, we could get beaten the next two and we're going to be talking about a totally different scenario. But I think you can kind of get the flavour from the way we've spoke today. I don't think it's just us, by the way. There'll be people listening, feeling a lot more optimistic about everything. And it's not just because of Beal. I just think that everything's... We, we, we went through a shitty thing, which was losing a coach, which people... Whether you thought Mowbray should have kept his job or not, I think everybody can say he was a nice bloke and we all liked him. And that's a hard thing to do, is to say yeah. goodbye to someone like that. We've seen popular players leave in the form of Pritchard mainly, you know, being, being a fairly popular player that people liked. There was Christmas where it was hectic and having to deal with losing a manager. There was the Newcastle game, which nobody, whether whether you know we're good enough to beat Newcastle or not, it's horrible to lose to them and nobody wants to do that. And there's all the, the fallout from that and all the crap which went on off the pitch. Then there's been the supporter meeting, which has caused people to talk more and more about off the pitch issues. And it just feels to me like in the last week or so, we've kind of got back to what's important. And yeah. it's like not the noise off the pitch, not the noise on social media. It's the football on the pitch and winning games. And I said this when Beal came in, the way to win us over and the way to win our fan base over is just to keep winning. I'm seeing people who would wrote them off saying that they're, they're kind of starting to warm them a little bit. And that's because we're winning. They wouldn't be yeah. saying that if we were losing games. No, so, so, yeah. It's exactly right. It's, you know, it's what we say, what we say after the whole game. If he starts winning games, then people will give him time and, and back him. And, you know, mm. the results are important, of course, yeah. And it's you know it's what we talked about earlier in the podcast the, the the changes he's making the subtle changes he's making to the team how we play how we set up and we can see them working and I think as well as results that gives you confidence that gives you you know a bit of faith yeah. that you know he, he might be the right person and look I'm not sat here going oh he's, he's you know he's definitely the the right person the manager for the next ten years and he's going to win the Champions League <laughs> but is he the right person for for us right now he he, he could be he might be and we're seeing some positive signs in the right direction that he, he is. So we'll see. But look, <laughs> you know what it's like. Get turned over at Huddersfield, lose to Tony Mowbray, <laughs> and the, the world's a whole bloody different place, isn't it? So yeah, let's, uh, let's hope we get at least four points out of the, the next seven days and we can we can keep looking ahead. Absolutely. Right. Thanks, mate. It's been a long one, but I've really enjoyed it. Nice Here's to talk about something winning always. So we will be back, hopefully, after Huddersfield. We'll, we'll see what we're up to. Uh, fingers crossed we'll be back with a review hopefully talking about three points and then leading into the new game so cheers to listeners catch you later imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.